influencers. Let's get bouge. Listen to A. Thompson for an hour. I'd rather fuck a blood relative. It's A. Thompson. Uh, good evening. Welcome. It's half past seven on a Friday night. The tech is going wonderful. Uh, if you're listening to this on sort of catch up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or YouTube, you had a few technical glitches there, but don't worry. You you won't be impacted by that because I'll cut that shit out uh, straight off the bat. I um, hope everyone's well. I hope everyone's had a fantastic week. What a week it has been in UK politics. Uh, we've had the, uh, you know, the Boris Johnson, did he lie at the dispatch box shit? We've had Trump's indictments, Trump in court. I was listening to some audio the other day of uh, of a, a what do they call them? Retrumplicans? I heard somebody's a bit of a mouthful. I heard somebody uh, describe, you know, turbo Trumpsters, like the sort of, you know, the QAnon lot. The people who can, they will only support Donald Trump. They were, they're not even Republicans anymore. They are worshippers at the, not just the church, but at the altar of Donald J. Trump. I had this guy on the News Agents podcast say, um, he was like, as soon as Donald Trump came along, <laughs> it was like there was a grey cloud over America. And when Trump entered the equation, it was like that grey cloud lifted and all of his problems went away. And it was just champagne and teddy bears and rainbows all round. Just hand jobs every day of the year, ever since Trump entered the political disc and you listen to these people and you're just like what fucking planet is this guy living on you know and the the interviewer a guy called john sopel i think his name is to be fair he kept a straight face but he like you know pushed back on this he was like so to you you know it's um it's a tragedy isn't it that he's being prosecuted do you think he's just being persecuted do you think it's a sham trial a sort of you know, was it a witch hunt? Do you, you know, do you buy into that stuff? And this guy was like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. He was like, I have no doubt in my mind, in my heart. <laughs> I've got no doubt in my heart, sir, that this is the greatest tragedy since the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. Like, that's what he said. He's this is in this guy's mind. This is a direct parallel to what happened to Abraham Lincoln. Lincoln got fucking assassinated. Somebody threw a bomb in his lap while he was trying to watch the theatre. <laughs> like, assassinated. Uh, Donald J. Trump is being prosecuted. There's a bit of a difference there, guys. Um, but yeah, in this fella's mind, completely the same. And, the, and Donald J. Trump, a guy who has only ever lived to serve his own interests, is this selfless martyr who's going down in flames for the good of the american people like he fully this guy fully buys in to that meme that trump meme that goes around where it's like trump looking into the camera and uh he's like they're really after you i'm just in the way like that's the that's not a trump impression i should do a trump impression they're really after you i it's just me that's in the way you know my trump impression's a little bit off i know uh but this guy is just living and breathing that meme. He really believes Trump is there to save him and to serve the interests of everyday Americans. It's fucking balmy. Um, 
Anyway, cheers, guys. Uh, let's let's get into this, shall we? A uh, big doff of the cap to the Patreons. Thanks very much for joining us tonight, both in the live chat and for your continued support uh, to the show. I'll talk a little bit about the Patreon towards the end. Uh, welcome to this emergency podcast. Um, and it is an emergency uh, podcast. Um, and I say that not because, you know, anything that's happened that's particularly massive, an emergency-like, you know, in the last few hours, but... Mostly just because my guest this week, uh, Lady Patsy Stevenson, uh, she was supposed to be joining us tonight and we were going to be talking about women's rights and uh, oppression and, um, you know, the ongoing creeping uh, criminalization of abortion, say, like in, in America. Um, but Patsy is no longer able to join us this evening. So uh, unfortunately, she had to pull out. Um, so it's just me. It's just me and it's you. Uh, but I'm feeling it, you know, it's Friday night, it's the weekend, let's, let's get into this. Um, uh, who's, who's joining me for a toast? Let's get this, let's get this off on a good start, shall we? Um, here's to, here's to that horny albino yeti finally fucking off. Here we go. Mm. Cheers. Um, and of course, by that, I mean, Boris Johnson parting ways with Parliament. Finally. And uh, and returning to his spiritual home, the right wing tabloid industry, <laughs> where he'll, he'll be very, very much at home. I have no doubt he's off. He is the Daily Mail's new star columnist within 24 hours of the committee's report saying that, yes, he did lie to Parliament and they recommend a 90 day suspension within 24 hours of that. He's signed and announced that he's the Daily Mail's new star columnist. Absolutely shameless, isn't it? I mean, we all thought George Osborne was taking the piss, didn't we? Do you remember that? Like when he took on like three or four jobs while he was an MP? Do you remember that? That was only like, what, four years ago, somewhere around that way? And in some ways, it's more offensive that Johnson does this immediately after having left one, you know, even though he's not an MP. It's, for some reason, it's more offensive that he takes this job straight away after having left as an MP than Osborne doing it while, you know, like, couldn't you just take a minute? <laughs> I think I think that's what we all would like to see. Like, couldn't you just have like have a little break? Like, I would have thought taking a break having a holiday <laughs> would have sat quite well with you bother no i mean here is a guy who spent most of his tenure as prime minister you know clocking out and flying out to some donor's second home somewhere you know or um or pieing off the Cobra meeting so he could write a book about Shakespeare. You know? Just laziness. Or what was it? Um, it was like about three or four holidays in between, like when he agreed to step down as Prime Minister and then him actually leaving. Like, I remember the tweets from around that time. Like, people mocking his gardening leave mentality. Do you remember that? It's like, you know... Aren't you still prime minister? <laughs> I mean, you're still on the payroll, right? 
There's a cost of living crisis bubbling up out there. I don't know if you heard about it. People's gas bills are exploding. People are giving their landlords hand jobs to get a month off, you know, because everything's so fucked. Like, shouldn't you be doing something? <laughs> and Johnson's just like leaning back like, you know, I am doing something. And it's like, what? what's that? What are you doing? Well, I'm negotiating a peerage for this 23-year-old blonde if she lets me empty my balls into her. Like, <laughs> that's, oh, wow, fucking hell. Again? Another, like, PA or assistant or something you're trying to sneeze on? Don't you ever have a day off? Well, yeah, yeah I mean, pretty much uh, pretty much every day. Well, okay, that that's actually a... That's a fair assessment, Boz. Um, but do you remember that? Do you remember, like, all the holidays? All the accusations that he was a part-time PM? Do you remember that shit? But you'd think that somebody who was that predisposed to having a vacay. <laughs> you would think they wouldn't need asking twice, wouldn't you? Like if you said to them, Oi, Boris, mate, listen, listen, your your profile is a... It's a little bit high right now and for all the wrong reasons. So we were just thinking, you know, me and the lads, me and your literary agents, me and your TV guys, me, like whoever it is that gets all of his work for him on, you know, talk TV appearances or wherever the fuck else he's going to crop up now. Me, like us, us thought, we were thinking might be best for you to just, you know, sit this one out for a couple of months. Let it blow over, you know, travel around, see some friends, reflect and all that, you know, and then come back. And manufacture some quotes and make up some stories for the tabloids, you know? Then make up some tales about bendy bananas and lie about what your uncle told you in an interview that he gave you. Anyway, you would think somebody like that would be like, well, you know what? Yeah, I actually quite like holidays. I quite like having a break. And you know what? I think I've earned a little break. You would think he would be like that. Like, this is what gets me, man. It's like, why is someone who is so infamously lazy and prone to fucking off work, you know, why is that person so desperate to immediately jump into this Daily Mail gig? You know, it's weird, isn't it? And of course, you know, traditionally... We would say, well, you know, it's because he's financially chaotic. You know, he's probably, um, what was the phrase he said? It's like spaffing out of the wall. He's probably spaffed his own money all up the wall on takeaways and nannies and the various myriad of uh, maintenance payments that he has to adhere to. You know, that's probably his situation. That's traditionally what we would say. You know, so then once his MP's salary gets removed, gets unplugged, once he's booted off payroll, then he's like, he's immediately fucked then. Like, you know, is that it? He's just insta broke because all of his money is just tied up elsewhere. He has, he's got so many financial commitments from his legitimate and illegitimate children, you know. As soon as his monthly salary... <laughs> From CCHQ and Whitehall and wherever the fuck else, soon as that is unplugged and switched off, immediately he's got two baby mamas on the WhatsApp <laughs> within an hour. Like they never talk to him. 
They don't want anything to do with him. They never even answer him at Christmas. <laughs> when he's like, well, quick, Merry Christmas to you. You know, maybe uh, warm the relationship, thaw it out. Send you a quick bit. They don't even reply. They want nothing to do with him. But the second his MP's salary disappears or is cancelled, I bet in a, it, within the hour, they're like, well, I mean, um, this doesn't change anything between us, does it? <laughs> Immediately, they're on the blower to him. Hey, I heard you got fired, but um, I mean, you're still going to pay for your son, right? <laughs> well, I, um, I, um, I, I don't have a lot coming in right now. Uh, anymore. So, so listen, we, we may have to... Right, I mean, that sounds like a you problem. But, right, I, I mean, but it's just that, you know, th this is a situation that uh, affects all of us, so maybe we just don't... You know, we all band together and... Uh, Boris, right, uh, yes? Uh, personal responsibility and all that, yeah? Right, uh, right, yeah, uh, well, uh, you know, I, I'll see I'll see what I can do. Boris, you've just bought a five million pound mansion. I, I'm sure you can find the ten grand a month maintenance for your son here right well, i mean it's all it's all caught up in assets though and, and my business uh, uh, right i mean boris it, it, it's just that it, it's just what with all due respect boris uh what what fuck business but oh i see oh very good well listen I, i'll see what i can do no no you don't see what you can do boris fuck you pay me i reckon that's what it is i reckon as soon as they read that he had lost his mp salary and is, you know, whatever else he's lost. And the, he, the fact he's shamed and disgraced and maybe certain speaking engagements have been pulled. I don't know. As soon as they read about that, they were like, you're still going to pay for your kid, right? And immediately he's like, fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> Desperate to jump on someone's payroll. Let's have a quick look in the live chat. How are we doing, guys? Um... Mojo Sabian, one of my patrons, he says, come on, Abe, do you really think the Daily Mail gig actually requires him to do any work? No, no, not really. Um, I mean, in that sense, it's sort of exactly what you would expect him to do. He could just sit behind his laptop, you know, froth and belch about whatever pops in his little head. No editor or, you know, it's possible someone in Daily Mail HQ, like a solicitor, a libel person will be like, ah, that you can't... I wouldn't call him that specific slur if I were you, Boris. You know, it's possible they might rein him in. But yeah, you're right. There's very little work for him to actually do in this. Although I did read a tweet earlier where somebody said, Boris has been hired by the Daily Mail. And then it was like, dot, dot, dot. And I said, um, good luck getting him to submit his copy on time. And it was from somebody, some, you know, previous editor he'd worked with. And it doesn't surprise me at all. I imagine he is absolutely the kind of journalist who would take forever and delay things and get round to it when he could be bothered, you know. Uh, Alex French says, what is a Patreon? Patreon is a site, a website you can go on where you support creators like myself. You can support the show with like £3 a month, £5 a month, £10 a month. And there's various benefits that you get. So you get like, uh, you get episodes of the podcast two days before everyone else. You get access to the Discord, like instant messaging room that I set up. Uh, you get first dibs on tickets to the live show. So there's a live show in September that I'm very excited about. Um, I'm doing monthly Skype calls uh, for £10 subscribers. Um, 
there's a there's a few other ones I'm sure I'm forgetting, but that's basically it. You jump on Patreon and then you subscribe to the podcast, and there's three different tiers that you can jump on. Um, let's get back into this. So, so where was I, Boris? Right. So he makes all this money. Like we know this over the last six months, he's made something ridiculous, like three or four million. But is it liquid cash? That's what I want to know, you know. Because it all seems to get tied up in, you know, the mansion. Like he's bought this fucking five million pound mansion in Oxfordshire, is it? And I imagine like that is the explanation for this. Like he has to jump straight into a very well paid newspaper gig (laughs) while his name's still hot. You know what I mean? Because the actual money that he's earned has gone on buying his new missus, like the house that she's always wanted. I imagine that's probably what this is. And yeah, I do think like to some extent he's probably worried and his agents are probably worried that if he doesn't sign the deal now, if he doesn't land these lucrative Sunday paper or Saturday paper essay deals now, while he's still in the news, then after like three or four months, he might be less relevant. They don't know what's going to happen to him in like three or four months, six months time, if his reputation will be in tatters and nobody will be banging down his door. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, also, like in in the next six months, it's entirely possible that someone else will come up. You know, we like to sort of believe that Boris Johnson is this sort of all encapsulating like source of gravity that everything is sucked into. And to some extent, a lot of that stuff is true. But there's no guarantee that there won't be another Boris Johnson in the next six months. Somebody will rise up in that absence, in that vacuum, who does possess something resembling charisma and is able to command the sort of attention and capture the column inches that Boris Johnson up until now has been responsible for capturing. But yeah, I don't know, man. Like, it it was reported a few weeks ago. I don't know if you saw it. It was reported a few weeks ago that the mail were doing redundancies. Don't know if you saw that. Now, how fucking weird is that? They were doing these redundancies because they're doing so badly. Like, newspapers in general, you know, for all the shit that we give them about having influence and, you know, how they're the mouthpieces of the right-wing billionaires and so on. Like, newspapers are actually largely loss-making, you know? So even though they are very powerful, which is why they tend to get snapped up by, you know, megalomaniacs, (laughs) uh, they do still find it hard to survive. Like, they're usually supplemented by something. You know, The Sun, for example, famously loss-making, supplemented by the big cash cow that is, or at least was, you know, Fox News before it recently got the largest fine in American corporate history, I think it was. Um, But it's a cash cow. It generates fucking dollar bills like nothing. So Rupert Murdoch can afford to supplement The Sun with that money. And it's worth him doing so because The Sun is so influential. And it's kind of the same with The Mail. It doesn't make money. It's loss making. It's really going through a rough time, but it's not going to shut down because it's so fucking valuable. (laughs) It's so paradoxical, isn't it? That you can have a a thing that just is like a sieve trying to catch water, just money pouring into it and it just loses money. And yet it's so valuable. Cheers again. And so... 
So the mail has lost a ton of money and they've made a load of people redundant. And look, all I'm saying is this, right? If you're going to pay someone, <laughs> if you're going to pay someone like 500 grand or 700 grand a year, if you're going to pay that to a demonstrable proven liar like Boris Johnson, like I'm not even talking about the COVID Partygate shit. I mean, literally in his newspaper columns, like the bendy banana stories, the manufactured quotes that he got fired from the Times for putting it into his articles there. Like the actual lies that he's put into print is what I'm talking about. If you're going to pay an obvious liar half a million quid against the backdrop of sacking a load of your staff to make savings. <laughs> All I'm saying is like, I really hope you've saved like a fat fucking ton of those redundancy dollars you know i hope there's a lot of that redundancy savings hived off for the inevitable libel problems you're gonna encounter so yeah we've signed boris johnson how much are you paying him half a million quid wow and then there'll be another half a million on top of that for the obvious trouble he's gonna get you in have you have you got like a full milli have you got 1.2 million stashed away somewhere, you know, just in case, just for a rainy day, Dacre. Um, like, imagine if that was your job, man. Imagine if you got let go by the Daily Mail in one of their, like, rounds of redundancies, you know? Like, you're on 36 grand. Which is in, you know, in London is basically fuck all, right? £36,000. It sounds like a lot of money. £36,000. But it's in London, it's not really anything. It's, that's probably about average. You're on thirty-six grand, okay? You're barely able to afford your rent in your house share. Your bills are exploding. You needed this job as a, you know, I don't fucking know, copy sub-editor's assistant or something. You know, you needed the job. You don't have savings because you've had to dip into them like every month since the last time your rent went up and your salary didn't. OK, so no savings. You needed this fucking job. You got nothing to fall back on. No one else is hiring your discipline because print journalism is in the fucking toilet. Advertisers, you know, advertisers now only jerk off over influencers these days just like the rest of us mostly jerk off over influencers nowadays you know the times have changed but print journalism broadly is struggling so nobody's hiring in your sub editor assistant writery person world nobody needs that anyway you get the call one day can you can you come into my office uh, with Pete and Amanda, please, Tom? And you're like, uh, yeah, okay, sure. And then you all walk in there. You know, you, Amanda, Pete, and then your boss, you know, the editor or the MD or something. He goes, oh, okay, guys, all right. Like, thanks, thanks for coming in. Um, I'm afraid this isn't the meeting that anyone wants to have with with his staff. But I'm afraid I'm going to have to let you go. All right, this is the meeting. You're now in. You're about to lose your job. And you're like, what? No, 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 no. We like we work so hard and we produce goods. Well, you know, passable <laughs> content, passable by the standards of a 68 year old golf club alcoholic, you know, if not Wikipedia. But 
But we we work hard on it, Matt. Like, is this decided already? Is there no room for negotiation? Can I save my job? Guys, it's not it's not about the hard work that you put in. You all work hard. I know you do. I know you do. You know, you all work, obviously, incredibly hard to produce reliable, well-sourced, ethical news. You know, you find it incredibly hard. So you are working very hard. I can see that. The proof is in the pudding of how hard you find this and therefore so how hard you're working. It's just that, you know, there's no money coming in, lads. All right. And the bills are going up to run this place because, you know, and then Amanda would like interrupt and go like, uh, because the government are fucking fucking the economy and offering zero support for energy bills. And then he'd be like, no, 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 Amanda. No, because the because the lockdowns, that's right. Isn't it like because of furlough or you know, lockdowns or, or something. I don't know. Somehow lockdowns miraculously made everything more expensive at the same time as the government not price capping energy or mortgages. Somehow furlough and lockdown did that three years before any of this started. But anyway, look, my point is there's no money coming in. Bills are going up. We can't afford to keep you all on. So regretfully, I must shake you by the hands, guys. Amanda, Pete, Tom. And I just wish you the very best for your future endeavours. And like, imagine that's you. You've just been let go and you're gutted and you pack up your ship and you leave and you miss your team and you miss your job and your rent is soaring and you are just collapsing financially into the realms, into a violent ocean storm of defaults, and overdues, and red letters, and Section 21s. And you sat there on your third mug of white lightning (laughs) by 11am. Right. You sat there halfway through watching fucking Jeremy Vine or This Morning, unemployed as fuck, you know, and then a push notification comes through on your phone. It's like, bing! And you read it, and it says... Boris Johnson signs with the Daily Mail for 700 grand. Like, wouldn't you be like, what the fuck? Like, why would a cash-strapped tabloid, desperate to make savings, spaff that much money up the wall, hiring Boris when they know this motherfucker lies? Why would they do that? It's insane. Like, I was thinking the other day. I was thinking, like how biased right how biased the news is how we all look at the news as biased now and how we all look at like twitter's echo chambers you know everything is divided everything is tribal and i was thinking like how weird it is how everyone still looks at this division and these echo chambers as though these are problems that we're somehow gonna fix someday you know that's weird to me Like, like we look at Trumpsters, right, and the QAnon lot, and we go, ha, look, look at those idiots. And, you know, at some point, the Kool-Aid is going to wear off and these Dixieland fuckers are going to be in for one hell of a hangover when they finally wake up from this Kool-Aid coma that they're so clearly in. But we have some sort of underlying faith there. There's a sort of implicit suggestion that that means that they're going to wake up from it or that we're going to somehow fix them 
But I was thinking the other day, like, that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> that is not the outcome that I foresee happening with this division and echo chambers. Like, I was actually thinking, I was like, what? what is actually more likely is that this current era of division, of... Uh, of impatient, dismissive, tribal volatility is probably just the opening chapter. Like if you, <laughs> if it's your first time listening to this podcast and it's, you know, it's called A. Thompson and other disappointments, fucking sit back, crack open a beer because I'm about to kill your buzz. <laughs> this show is a bummer. This show is a downer. Uh, let, let me elaborate on what I'm talking about here. So, the echo chambers of division, the shit that we look at now and we go, yeah, somebody should fix that. That is actually the problem. That is just the opening chapter of where we are actually headed. And I don't mean necessarily that, it, you know, it means that it's all going to explode into a full-blown civil war. You know, although clearly that would be one way of solving this. I mean, like, like I'm not saying... I'm not saying let's definitely just, you know, leapfrog the columns about witch hunts and sham trials and embittered remainers and, you know, get to the probable crescendo of, you know, proud boys and Britain first going from fringe movement cosplaying cunts to full blown terror cells and erupting into a civil war like that probably will happen too somewhere along the way. What I mean is it starts with biased news and echo chambers. And then I think it moves on to like Fox News, like tailoring their output, you know? So it's not just echo chambers. It's not just what people run to. It's actual institutions tailoring their shit to what they think their viewers want to hear, you know? And we saw this already with like with, with Fox News, what happened with Tucker Carlson. Like people, the general public, not coalescing around news sources that tell them what they want to hear, yeah, like Fox News sculpting their output deliberately on the basis they don't want to piss off their viewers <laughs> by giving them bad news. Like, that is where we're at as of the last couple of years. Like, put simply, where we're at is we have news corporations when news itself doesn't want to be the bearer of bad news. Who <laughs> it's to its established uh, viewership. So what am I saying here? I'm saying it starts with biased news and echo chambers. It moves to tailored, carefully constructed news, which actually then becomes a sort of reality that you inhabit. Because you, as far as you're concerned, this is how things actually are. Because you're having information funneled into... You're being poisoned with misinformation and radicalised, you know? And here is then where I think it's actually headed. This is where the opening chapters actually lead to. I think in the same way as people are going to, like, soon get the ability to set their own feeds and algorithms, right, instead of sitting subservient to, you know, Facebook or Twitters, I think people will opt in to their own reality that they will then experience entirely within their, like, VR headsets or VR suits, I honestly think that's where we're headed. <laughs> How's that for a technology like dystopia? Like the world will basically become a voluntary matrix setup. I know that's like really depressing, 
really like, oh, my God. Is humanity that sad and detached and depressed that they would voluntarily just go, yeah, just give me the fantasy. Yeah, it's fine. But this is better, though. This is more interesting to me. Like, And the answer is yes. I do think that's probably where we're headed. Like, we already see it when, you know, when you're talking to somebody and they're not like that interested and you then you start flicking through your phone and you're like, well, yeah, like, I mean, you could talk at me, but this, this, this pre-filmed sketch or this Twitter thread has been like proofread and it's been posted and it's articulate and it gets to the point it's insightful. Whereas like, what the fuck are you saying? You're telling me about a donut? You're telling me about the fucking football game the other day? Like, you get lost in the middle of talking about shit. You're not that articulate. Do you know what I mean? Like, we're already seeing people detach themselves from reality to engage with a representation that technology offers them. And I think the future will be that exaggerated in exactly the same way as people used to listen to a vinyl 75 instead of listening to a choir down the road or instead of listening to a band like now i can listen to it just in my house i have to leave the house and then vinyl became cd and cd became mp3 and at each step these have become crescendoing exaggerated technology fueled solutions to the original problem and i really believe like where people are bored of the conversation that they're in and so they look at the phone for the more interesting thing i think that's probably where we're headed (laughs) with like political radicalization it starts with Twitter feeds and it will end with people voluntarily pulling the visor down and just clocking the fuck out. <laughs> like, why would it not end at that? So you, like, you'll put your helmet on, you know, or your glasses or your contact lens that will just, you know, project it straight into your brain. And all you will then see and experience is, you know, Dixieland crosses over here and everyone's voice. Like when someone talks to you, that voice will be interpreted and then regenerated as AI. So it has a hick like redneck, redneck accent, you know, and then once a day you'll get an AI generated Trump. You know, Trump will be long gone. He'll be dead by this point. So it'll be an AI generated representation of a Trump address from the Emperor Trump in the Colosseum, because that's your fantasy. That's what the QAnon lot, the Trumpsters, that's the kind of reality they want to inhabit. And if they unengage, if they unplug and go out into the actual reality, well, then they have to deal with Democrats and social justice warriors and cancel culture and all the rest of the shit that they don't really want to have to deal with. Why would they not just pull the visor down and clock the fuck out? Like, if that's what you want to experience, you know, then... Why would you not go ahead and experience it? And equally, you know, you'll get metropolitan elite, Remainer, Democrat types. And they won't be interested in, you know, any of the Dixieland cross stuff and like banning abortion and, you know, preachers and Bibles. They won't want any of that shit in their virtual reality, right? Any of that stuff even gets mentioned (laughs) in the Democrat blue tie version of the metaverse or whatever the fuck it turns out to be, whether it's, you know, the Facebook version or the Apple one or like any of that stuff gets mentioned in there. You get blocked or you get like muted or, you know. 
Like, I really feel like, you know, everyone sees echo chambers and biased news as something that will stop at some point. Oh, we've got to get a handle on this. We've got to regulate. We've got to like it could be regulated. But what's more likely that corporate America runs amok like over everyone with their billions of dollars for lobbying to get the legislation that they need? Is that more likely than government just like does the right thing? <laughs> Ad hoc, random. Yeah, we just thought that this was the route that we should probably go. Like, no. It will go to the corporate and the lobbyist. I promise you. But here's a weird thought for you, man. What if... What if the fact that the world is getting this shit... Right. Try and cheer you up a bit now. <laughs> what if the fact that the world is getting this bad... You know, what with our... You know, the threat of nuclear war with pandemics, with Brexit, with climate change, with automation swallowing everyone's jobs. What if all of these problems... Oh, fuck, I didn't even mention, like, oil running out, like, the expiration of our fossil fuel supply when society just completely implodes. <laughs> what if all of these things are actually just, like, marketing-aligned perfectly executed marketing campaigns <laughs> to get you to the point where when they release the fucking matrix cocoons you go oh man that yeah that sounds way more pleasant than out here i'm fucking diving in <laughs> you know what if all of it is just a very like an insufferably clever marketing campaign to get you tempted to climb into the matrix pod like fuck this I'm going in like you're fucking like you're David Bowie or like George Michael or Prince or whoever the fuck else that saw what was coming and checked out in 2016. Like, do you remember that that year? Like all the celebrities died. It's like they all looked in their elite tier crystal balls and they saw how fucked everything was just about to get. And they pulled the fucking ripcord. That's what happened in 2016. All of those celebrities that died, all of them were like, yeah, I see what's about to... Yeah, I'm not sticking around for this shit. Like, that is that is truly what happened. And that is, I think... You know, like, imagine if all this shit was that. Like, imagine if it was all building up. All of these in parallel marketing campaigns. Oh, the climate crisis is going to make it inhabitable to be able to... Uninhabitable, sorry, is the word. To live in these parts of the world and... And, you know, oil's going to run out and this is going to get bad and we're going to get new variants of the pandemic and everything's going to get so, so bad. Oh, man. And it's all like all of these marketing campaigns are all aligned and they're all building up and building up. And then imagine if it all built up to just some shit Tim Cook presentation. And he walks on the stage. He's like, yep. Pretty shit, huh? <laughs> Have one of these iPods. Like, like they're so shit now, Apple. They used to be creative and, like, innovative, didn't they? Like, they invented MP3 players. They invented smartphones. I mean, they didn't. They didn't invent MP3 players or smartphones. But you, get, you know what I mean. They commercialized them. Made it industrial. They made it sexy. Everything was cool then. In this little weird sort of dystopian fantasy, I reckon, like, yeah, he'd come out on the stage and he'd release this sort of, you know, VR matrixy cocoon. <laughs> and they're so shit with ideas. They would just call it an iPod again. That is honestly what they would go to market with. It would be called an iPod. 
And they would have people going like, can we really just, uh, can we just call this that, like, again? <laughs> yeah, why? Like, what? what's the problem? Well, we, we called the MP3 players iPods, right? Yeah, but so? You know, who's, who's going to sue us for using the name? You know, Apple? We're going to sue ourselves, are we? Is that what we're going to do, you fucking genius? Get the fuck out of here, you know? I reckon that's where we're headed anyway. Let's have a quick look at the um, uh, the live chat again. Hey, Mojo. Hey, uh, Stuart. Um, we did have Alex in here earlier, and we had Dave also. Um, let's just have a quick scan through, shall we? Uh, Mojo says, uh, my favorite T-shirt says the Daily Mail. It's like spending 20 minutes in a mental hospital. Yes, that is like it is. When you read the articles within the Daily Mail, it is like listening to an unmedicated 82 year old bang on about like irrational fears. And like, you know, I saw one. I don't know like how long ago it was now, but it was a picture of a teacher and she was in her 20s. Attractive young lady. She had tattoos. She had a couple of piercings and she's a fucking teacher. She's like, you have to largely conclude out the goodness of her heart. She's decided to go into a profession that is rewarding, that helps the next generation come up. And she's doing it for no financial gain, really. She probably comes out like net break even on a teacher's salary, I guess, after rent and all things considered. Uh, but the Daily Mail's headline above this picture of this tattooed, pierced teacher was like, would you want your child taught by this? And I'm like, fucking hell. Like, I don't care. Is she a good teacher? Is she nice? Is she kind? Then who gives a shit? Like, do you have some sort of, you know, slew, some water slide of like, you know, a conveyor belt of like an endless supply of teachers? Like, it's so hard to hire teachers. And the Daily Mail are just like, well, you know what? You know what makes perfect sense in a teacher shortage? Let's go into all the primary schools and pick out the tattooed piercings, piercing ones, like, and then just make fun of them and reduce them to like this. Would you want your child taught by this? You know, I thought you guys were all about pronouns, motherfucker. Um, Stuart says, uh, I don't think you get dumb people. I believe you get dumb media. The news has become so watered down and simplistic. To some extent, I agree with you, Stuart. I think the media has a large or big or whatever the... See, now I sound stupid. Uh, maybe it's the media that's to blame. Um, uh, to some extent, I think it's the media that holds this on their shoulders. They, they, they do hold some responsibility for not educating. That's their fucking job. It's their responsibility to, to educate and in some cases, you know, entertain. Um, but I, I also think you would be gobsmacked at the average, like, mean level of intelligence amongst just general people. And I'm not saying that as like, oh, you know, you and me are really smart, Stuart, compared to everyone else. But I am thinking it. <laughs> I'm like, I, I just think, like, the more I engage with, like, everyday people, and that's a big thing about, like politics is like you know it's not about winning it's not about getting one up on the other team it's about negotiating it's about finding solutions that tick enough of the boxes for the most people out there right finding a solution that works for the majority of people 
That's supposed to be what politics is about. But the more you reach out to regular people and try to have conversations about politics with your relatives and your friends of friends, like periphery figures in your life, the more you reach out and step outside of your comfort zone, the more you are convinced that everyone is a fucking idiot. <laughs> and you, you're right. Like, to some extent, it may be that they're not exposed to credibility media to journalists and news reports who actually value the truth who challenge uh, the rhetoric that comes out of downing street who you know it there might be an element of that to it but what i actually think happens more often than not when i engage with people is they will say something that i perceive to be ignorant i will then ask them a question i don't even i don't get cunty with them. I don't like, I, but I challenge it. I push back a little bit. I'll say like, oh, well, why do you think that? And the amount of people who get to a completely blank canvas in terms of the reasoning, the drivers, uh, the foundation of where that thought came from, where that opinion actually took root. The number of people who get to that is, is it's almost 100%. It's like, why do you hate Megan? Or why did you vote Brexit? Or why do you hate Keir Starmer? Or like, what was it that started that feeling off? Almost 100% of times, it's like, it's either they, they don't know, they can't really articulate it, or it is word for word what comes from the mail, which kind of speaks to your point, doesn't it? It's like, it's just shit media. But I also think, like, why is there no, like, what, like wouldn't you as a human being with, um, with a self, with a, a perception of yourself to other people, wouldn't you just go... Why do I think? Wouldn't you be introspective about it and go, why do I think that? Where did that feeling come from? Wouldn't you question what sits underneath that attitude? Why do I hate Megan? Do you know what I mean? And I think it's the absence of that curiosity that really winds me up. Now, is that stupidity or is it like, a yeah, I don't know, a lack of intellectual curiosity or or maybe it's just a disinterest in psychology or something? I'm not sure I, I know the answer to any of those questions. Um or even if I got to a, an answer for you there. Um, Mojo says, yes, in the age of uh, information, ignorance becomes a choice. Um, I didn't write that. I'm just quoting it. That's a shame that you didn't write that, Mojo, because I was literally, I was just thinking, the fuck me. Mojo is on point tonight. <laughs> He's just like bleeding intelligence and highly quotable quotes it. Um, but yes, I mean, that is, there's, there's a lot of truth in that, isn't there? Like in, in an age where you have this inexhaustible supply of information, of sources where you can back, like not everything's behind a paywall. You have YouTube tutorials, you have in online encyclopedias, you could check stuff in a second. There really is no excuse for just walking past a copy of the mail on Sunday, scanning the headline and then letting that just become your opinion. Um, anyway, speaking like now that we're on the subject of uh, Megan, uh, God, I've gone on quite quite a while tonight. Um, let's talk for a minute, just a just a little minute here about this news that bubbled up earlier that Harry and Meghan, uh, they have lost their Spotify deal. <gasps> I know this is salacious gossip. This is important, guys, and it deserves to be on the top news stories of Sky News. Oh, absolutely, it does. People need to know. Um. I don't know. I thought it was quite funny. I thought it was worth mentioning because, um, uh, I mean, the way predictably that this stuff is then touted around the Daily Mail 
is like, look, ah, oh, they're a failure. Look at them. Ah, oh, they like their eyes were too big for their belly, or she was too ambitious, or they're both narcissists. And look, now they now not even Spotify wants to deal with them because they're such fucking narcissists. Like it's that, you know, that is the way that it will be, or if it hasn't already, that is the way that it be portrayed in the mail. Um, but these deals never really like come to the full value that is touted by the media i think it was like was it like 120 million dollars they were supposed to be being paid um i don't think anyone really like some of that's probably stock some of it is probably payable on delivery of like the second or third season and they've only just done like the one season of her podcast or something so like i don't think it's you know they've decided not to continue with her podcast but that's a different thing to being like you know they've lost like 70 million dollars like no they haven't (laughs) and can we call it with the misrepresentation and the contortion of the facts please guys the daily mail hq uh the, the news report i saw though about this it said um it said spotify invested in podcasts and they were somewhat surprised when they did not generate the income that they had told investors they would get. It was like, you know, this sort of um, less embarrassing for Harry and Meghan kind of angle, more troublesome for Spotify. That kind of vibe. And I thought that was interesting. I mean, no, actually, let me correct myself. I thought it was funny. <laughs> because basically the, the, the crux of it, what they're getting at is like, Spotify thought that investing in podcasts was going to make them money. And I could have fucking told them two years ago. (laughs) I mean, if anyone knows about funneling money into podcasting with a view to generating an income from it uh, and that going south, I could have fucking told Harry and Meghan two years ago. I could have pulled in. What's his name? Daniel Eck from Spotify. He would have been like, yeah, I'm thinking about putting uh, $450 million into our podcasting uh, setup. You know, get some new studios, buy in some... Ta- no, no, no. I, w- I would have been like, D- don't fucking do it. Don't do it. I know it seems like a growth market, doesn't it? But pr- probably not, mate. Um, I did think it was interesting, though. Look, so they've, you know, quote unquote, lost this Spotify deal. No mention of them being cancelled though don't you think that's interesting don't you think it's interesting that when clarkson loses his column when mark steen is it from gb news when he got pulled from gb news over getting fined by ofcom that was cancelled uh who else has been cancelled philip schofield unjustifiably just removed in his prime what did he even do, guys? Philip Schofield, cancelled. A victim of cancel culture. Um, and yet... <laughs> being sarcastic there. I don't I don't have sympathy for Philip Schofield. I'm sorry. If you run around like... If you're... What was he, like 65 or something, banging 19-year-olds who are on staff, don't poke payroll, Phil. We've been through this on episode 174 or somewhere around there. Um... I don't know. I just think it's easy. uh, It's interesting and funny that when right wing people are removed or they their contract is not renewed or do you know what I mean? Like it's cancelled. It's like, oh, they've been silenced or they've been, you know, Piers Morgan was cancelled for like, no, he wasn't. He fucking stormed off the GMB set. 
We have memories. We we saw it with our eyes. He's been cancelled from Good Morning Britain. No! Are you mental? Um, but no mention of cancel culture with Harry and Meghan, is there? Which I think that make, it's that sort of shit that makes me warm to them more. Like, I don't know Harry. I don't know Meghan. They seem kind of okay to me. And it's this sort of shit that makes me think, yeah, you know, because they're not... It's not cancelled. It's like, you know, we've negotiated and we've, like, it wasn't working for us, wasn't working for you, so we've gone our separate ways. We won't get the full payout, but you won't get the other two. You know? Like, not everything has to be some weird, divisive, combative thing. Although, inevitably, you know, apparently it does, and we're all going to end up in Matrix cocoons. Who, who fucking knew? Um, the other thing that came up in this news story was that there, <laughs> there was a productivity issue. That was apparently the problem. So Harry and Meghan delivered this podcast. They were supposed to do three, I think, in total as part of the deal. They didn't deliver the next one or, you know, the next two or whatever. Some sort of productivity issue, meaning they didn't deliver. They didn't hand the shit over. And that is why the deal was brought to a close. That's what I read. Um, which actually, you know, come to think about it, you know, do you, do you think Boris Johnson is looking at these headlines <laughs> about Harry and Meghan and a productivity problem? Do you think he's looking at those stories about Harry and Meghan, the productivity issue, and he's thinking, fuck me, maybe this is my future, you know? If I don't exercise some productivity here, guys, if I don't stop taking these holidays, I might get fired. <laughs> I might get cancelled like Harry and Meghan. Maybe he's looking into the future and see. Maybe Boris Johnson has got an elite tier crystal ball too. I don't know. Look at Boris fucking holidaying on the job. Look at Harry and Meghan, low productivity. There's a, there's a concurrency there, I feel. But I mean, you know, if we're just going to look at this news story about Harry and Meghan, we have to just, you know, take stock of where we actually are at the moment because this is coming from the mail, okay? And Wikipedia dropped the mail for being a bit unreliable. Don't know if you remember that. That was about three or four years ago. Uh, so who's to say whether this is even true or not? You know, we're stuck in this sort of causality loop now where we've got this, you know, these overpaid, overprivileged, tough motherfuckers like Boris Johnson getting jobs they don't deserve at newspapers where they're paid to write lies, literal lies about other toffs like Harry and Meghan who have a low productivity issue themselves. But it's hard to know who's lying about who's lazy anymore, mostly because they're all fucking gross. And also because, yes, I am from the home counties and I probably do sound a bit well-spoken myself. And even I can barely be fucked anymore. Guys, that's it. Jesus. Running a bit low on the old uh, breath intake tonight. Can't, can't get the rants out quick enough. I hope you've been enjoying these shows. Um, I'm doing a live one in September. It's on the 28th of September in London. I will be putting a link to the event where you can buy tickets for that. I would strongly advise you to buy tickets sooner rather than later because it will sell out. It's got the infamous Otto English uh, on the bill. He's going to come down and help me do like... Because <laughs> we're styling it like a cult, right? So um, he's doing a psalm, like a sort of reading. I'm going to be there in a long road robe. We're going to have like Kool-Aid, like a punch bowl of Kool-Aid. It's going to be cool, man. It's the, th it's the Thursday night sermon is what it's called. And it's at the book club in Shoreditch. So do get yourself a ticket if you're in and around London or if you fancy a long weekend down, you know, come see some friends. Um, 
I'm going to be taking photos of people and, you know, meeting up with as many people that enjoy the podcast as I can before and after the show. Uh, it's going to be a good time, man. Um, also, if you're not on the Patreon yet, all the tickets, all the London meetups, the Discord, the instant messaging chat, all of that stuff, that is out to Patreon. So go on to patreon.com forward slash aid Thompson with an I-N on the end, and you can get all of that stuff that I mentioned before. You, um, I've also thrown in like a... Uh, a monthly one-to-one Skype with yours truly. I'll jump on Skype. We can have a chat. You can ask me anything about the podcast, about politics, life, love, the universe, how long until the world ends. You know, all of the usual uplifting content, but it'll just be one-to-one. Mano or mano. Um, guys, I need to go. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm sorry that Patsy Stevenson couldn't join us tonight, um, but hopefully we'll have a, uh, another guest in next week. I will book in a pre-recorded uh, thing with her though so that will be coming out soon I'm sure uh, in the meantime take care of yourselves thanks again to the Patreons I'll catch up with you all next time see you later yo 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 this episode was powered by my Patreon backers over at patreon.com forward slash aid Thompson special shout outs to Bowman Chris David Mojo Sabian Pingu T-Rex in a top hat Aaron Alex and Kai some of these names might not actually be the real names. Uh, Jeff, Peter, Sarah, Silent, and Ailsa. And then Anthony, Eddie, Fat Shirley, Mal, Rodri, Stuart, and Kerry. Thank you so, so much for continuing your support of the podcast. And I'm looking forward to catching up with each of you at the next London meet or the next gig. I don't know. Big doff of the cap to all of you. You give my funny boner funny boner. Cheers.